Hello and welcome to another edition of Back of the Grid. I'm the captain of this ship. I'm Stu and I'm joined as always by Tom. Hello. And by Chris. Hello. How is everyone? How how are we all after a week of not having a race? A week of weekend of relaxation. We feeling good? Yeah. I'm weirdly I mi- I've missed it. Two back-to-back races and then not having one. You, you spoke spoken like someone who doesn't work at F1. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I quite enjoyed having a a weekend off. But now I'm I'm ready for more. Yeah, I think I'm ready for more. But I'm I'm not ready for the like two AM start or whatever it is, whatever time my shift starts. But I am I'm excited for an Australian Grand Prix. We've not had one for a while. Um I mean mm. twenty twenty was supposed to we had a practice session in twenty twenty. Oh yeah, and then, 2020. They, and then they saw sense. Yeah. Um so yeah, yeah. very excited. Um Chris has some news for us about Formula One for us to go through. Because <laughs> it's a Formula, <laughs> what we're here it's for. a Formula One podcast, so, that's why we do this. You, just in case you didn't know, we cover yeah. Formula well, I was, One. Yeah. I almost fluffed it because I was gonna say I was gonna say the Australian Grand Prix, but actually we've started with a whole different um bit of news. But um yeah. let's let's get into that. Chris, do you wanna take us Got take a, us through your story? Whole whole nother Grand Prix to talk about first. Uh we're going to Vegas. That's the worst kept secret in Formula One. Yeah. It's yeah. actually happening. Um, next year as well. No messing around. Straight in next year. Mm. Um, third race in the USA. Um, pop quiz. Do you remember the last time we had three races in the same country in a season? No. Tell us. 1973. Oh, you're really close. It was actually 20... 20. Oh. Because we had Monza, oh, yeah, Mugello, Italy. and Imola, which is oh, a yeah. way less interesting fact. Wow. Um, however, the time before that was 1982, and it was also the USA. So yes. it's not the first time F1's tried to crack the USA by just throwing races at the calendar. True, but <laughs> I feel like they have actually cracked America at this point. Like It feels as though... I you know, kind of already have. Yeah, this... this third race coming in now like feels like oh yeah it's finally time they're finally you know they've finally got a decent audience Mm. in the states largely thanks to things like netflix and drive to survive and all that lot um and yeah the strategy appears to be working for formula one to to be cracking america which is a good thing because it's yeah definitely you know the high watermark helps everyone so yeah Yeah, i mean it's not not just america though is it as well like it's it seems to have worked for the 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 more casual viewer generally like there's so many more people that come up to me this season so far and like talk to me about formula one that never have before yeah. they've known i've watched just it random is on the street and yeah yeah they go yeah that guy like no yeah. i don't get recognized because nobody's ever seen my face <laughs> uh, until now <laughs> but yeah like so many more people who like are either casual fans and didn't really follow it properly before and have kind of got more into it now or people who have always been into it, but I don't know. Pe- people have always been a little bit like, I'm not going to tell people I like Formula One because, like, it's not. Do you know what I mean? Like, people don't go, well, I like you, F1. Are you like, ashamed? Are you ashamed? No, no, what I'm saying is a lot of people <laughs> don't go into a conversation, though, with, like, and lead with that as a, their chosen sport, do they? No. They never well, have. I suppose not, no. No. Hello, like, my, name, my name's Stuart Greenwood. I like Formula One. 
Yeah. <laughs> People just do it. It just sounds weird. It just sound, yeah, it doesn't exactly. sound right. It but I strange. mean, I've, I've got like three friends who have kind of come out of the woodwork as Formula One fans recently because they've been watching Drive to Survive and they've talked to me about that initially, mm. but they never used to actually talk to me about F1 and it turns out they've been watching for like a decade. So it's, it's interesting that it's kind of, it's made it more of like a, a talking point, a topic, I think. Yeah, and that's it's maybe what's generally visible appeal to the American audience as well, and and the the more general British viewer, and so on and so forth. I think. Yeah, Chris, you sorry, what were you saying, Chris? It's just like a lot more generally visible, I suppose, isn't it? Like it's just kind of in yeah. your face a bit more. Yeah, it's definitely yeah, like 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 Tom was saying, it's just become more into the the sort of. The spectrum of pop culture, I guess that's that's yeah. what's happened. Um, so anyway, we were talking about Vegas. So you've got a, we've got a track layout. We've got, do we have dates? Do we have what? What's going on? Uh, <laughs> what's happening? Um, so we know it's going to be a night race, obviously a street circuit, which uh, includes the Vegas Strip. So already an upgrade from the car park they used last time they were there. Um, we don't have an exact date yet. They've said it's going to be a Saturday night in November. It's going to be 10 p.m. local time. Uh, Rumours are they're trying to organise it so it's on Thanksgiving weekend, but at the moment they've just said November. Uh, as I say, 10 p.m. local time, which is an interesting choice. Obviously, I want to make it a night race for the spectacle, but that does mean it will be like 1 a.m. for the East Coast. Um, 6 a.m. here in the UK seven europe and then sort of mid-afternoon depending on where you are in australia so i mean we can't complain we've had it pretty good for time zones in recent years you can see why they want to do it at 10 p.m like if you've been to vegas you know it looks a lot better at night than it does during the day so Mm, yeah it makes sense um yeah making it 1am for the east coast is a choice um but you know, then I guess I guess we've got three races there, kind of covering the breadth of the country now, haven't we? Yeah, I mean, if you're if you live in the USA and you want to watch a Formula One race, you've got three to choose from. Um, and I guess depending on where you live in the USA makes it sort of easier, whichever sort of part of the country you're living in, depending on where you want to go. So you know, if you want to go, you could even go up to Canada if you're in like New York or somewhere like that. You'd go up to Canada for the um, Canadian Grand Prix, Montreal. Uh, if you're down in Texas, you've got Cota. And if you're in Vegas, you're going to have Vegas. Or if you're around Vegas in California or whatever like that. So yeah, it's hectic. There's you've got so much choice. Plus you've got like um, and then Mexico, Miami, of course, Mexico and Brazil as well. Like there's a, like a third of the season now is in that kind yeah. of general part of the world and time zone. Yeah. Now, I suppose. Yeah, it's a it's a true world champion. I mean, oh, it has been a true world championship for ages. But having more sort of races in that part of the world definitely makes it feel like a even more of a proper world championship. Like it doesn't take it anything away from it, does it? It feels like a strong choice to make. Like hmm. I don't feel bad about them adding another USA race. I just yeah. don't know what they're going to no. call it. <laughs> <laughs> the- the the thing for me is like you've got to be across like multiple continents and all these different countries for it to be a world yeah. title like that's that's all like a huge element of the whole series is the fact that it goes global like 
it's been said before, but that is one of the most unique things about Formula One in terms of its, you know, where it visits and where it goes. And, and like, yeah, sure, you know, football is played globally, but the World Cups were only once every four years. And mm. same with, like, even the European Championships, that's every four years. The, um, I forgot what it is, but there's the American equivalent of the Euros. It's like, do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. the Olympics is every four years. Like, there's huge gaps, whereas Formula One is traveling around the globe, visiting multiple continents and multiple countries constantly from yeah. March to November every single year. I mean, the only thing that's obviously stopped that is the pandemic, but we're moving back towards being pretty much like as we were now in terms of F1's calendar and, and movement. So it is, it is the thing that's always appealed to me about it. Like it's just one of those sort of tick boxes, I think for me, the fact that we do travel as much as we do. So what do we think to the, to the circuit itself? Chris, you've got some stats for us on the circuit. Yeah. So it's going to actually be the third longest circuit on the calendar um, after Spa and Jeddah. It's only got 14 corners, and I'd say some of those 14 are being quite generously called corners. Um, a lot as, of them, as generous as the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. It's not quite that egregious, but some of them are clearly just flat-out kings. <laughs> um, they're estimating a top speed of 212 miles an hour at the end of the back straight. Um, it's certainly not the most exciting-looking circuit I've ever seen. I mean, it's one of those for me where I think the location is what makes part of the um, spectacle of it. Like the the track, you know, if you took that track and just put it in a field or something, yeah, it's yeah. pretty unadventurous and not that exciting. But yeah. it looks like a Formula E circuit. Yeah, it looked well. I mean, as we've discovered, it looks like a moomin on it laid on its back. <laughs> it does look like a moomin. That's, that's also true. But but that aside, like part of what makes a spectacle is the surroundings. Like, I mean, Monaco as a circuit isn't particularly exciting in terms of the the course itself, but the surroundings make it interesting. Like being in that harbour front and and the uh, like the pizzazz I guess that goes with being like the pizzazz like there's, there's, a, there's a whole I don't know just yeah, a whole got vibe a, about got, it it's got a zing to it yeah. don't it yeah but I like, like you know, I like Vegas the idea that you're going down yeah going like so back to Vegas yeah going down the sort of the strip is going to be hectic past the fake Eiffel Tower and the Bellagio I think and all the big hotels so rumour has it that like the hotels have actually sort of Am I right in thinking the hotels have been a, kind of like the some of the impetus behind this? So like all the hotels have like paid for a lot of the the things around it. If and you look at the out of it, so if you look at the official website for the race, the logos for all the casinos and hotels are all over it as like the official partners and stuff. So yeah, they've they're throwing a lot of money into this for sure. Yeah, cool. But obviously, they're gonna they stand to make a lot of money out of it because 100%. it's it's literally on their doorstep. So yeah, they're gonna yeah. be able to charge thousands and thousands for rooms over the weekend, like for, as though they don't already. And 
yeah, jack up their prices for the Formula One, make an absolute killing, make their money back in no time. So it's, it yeah. makes really good like business sense for oh, them yeah. to do it because there's people who will pay it. Um, it's a shame that it is going to cost so much and it's going to be so exclusive as a result, but you can see the logic. Where if you you know if you run a business like that, then why? I mean, why would you not charge the going rate for then get away with it? That, of that prestigious and get if you can get away yeah. with it then why not it, it's a shame but it's just the way capitalism works isn't it <laughs> i mean there's another factor to this which is it helps bring in a new sort of subset of audience because i know people that since this got announced have said that they'd go to vegas during that weekend in order to like see the formula one at the same time to some degree and 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 talked about that but they don't watch week in week out they'd probably never attend a formula one race another way it's the same as like some people aren't particularly into like mma but if there's uh like a ufc event at vegas they will go and kind of tag the two together because it's what it's one of those like bucket list cities isn't it mm. and people will kind of tag on a sport event that they wouldn't necessarily always attend. So the number of people that have like turned around and gone, do you know what? I want to go to that race because it's in Vegas. And then it kind of hooks people in that now they'll potentially watch this whole season in the lead up to it and the whole of next season, just because they've suddenly got like a little bit of a vested interest because they want to try and kind of achieve the option of going to Vegas to watch it in person. Well, I mean, so yeah. it'll be to see how that... that side of it plays out. Multiple sports teams over the last few years have moved to Vegas, and it's part of it is you're just guaranteed a sellout every single game, aren't you? Because there's just always people there, yeah, ready to spend money to go and see stuff, whatever that stuff may be. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, if Britney can, if Britney Spears can sell out <laughs> a uh, a show every night in 2020 ish, then yeah, Formula One can sell. They're not no going to be short of options to sing the anthem, are they? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, God, yeah, that's an interesting thought. Actually, I wonder who's going to do that. <laughs> uh, with the United States, you never know who's going. To, you've got such choice with something like that. You never know who's going to. Be yeah. Singing. Anyway, um, um, we're getting just, sidetracked there. Just quickly back to the track as well. I really appreciate that. Obviously, we haven't got Sochi on the calendar anymore. But if you look at turn five, six, and seven, they've basically taken the best bit of the circuit in Sochi and added it to this circuit. So I appreciate that. Yeah. We're yeah. keeping the one good bit about Sochi. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the circuit, like, let's let's look at the circuit. So turn... Wow. The, 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 so the Moomin's foot is turn one, mm-hmm. which is officially the name of the corner, by the way, the Moomin's foot. <laughs> mm-hmm. we've, that's been decreed. Um it's definitely nothing else. It is one hundred percent the foot and it's nothing the foot, 100%, else. One hundred percent for sure. The foot. What else you, could it be? I mean, just, clearly just a foot. Stay away from the gutter that is Twitter's clearly, mind. Clearly, clearly, clearly <laughs> a foot. Um, yeah. So overtaking opportunity into turn one for sure. There um, looks. I, I don't hate it. I think it'll make an interesting race. It's obviously like inspired by like some of the. Baku situation. I think yeah. the back straight. Yeah. Um, sort of. T- what is that? Turn turns nine and ten. Definitely. I mean, ten's not a turn to a Formula One car, is it? It's no. just, that's just going <laughs> to no. be flat out all the way down. Um, 
And then into 11, those like Mickey Mousey sort of chicane things I find a little bit iffy. I don't, I'm not sure why they've done that. Like, is that to do with like the the sort of layout of it the might city? Be. Or is that like, have they deliberately... It must be, eh? Because I don't see why you would just put a random Mickey Mouse chicane there. That's that's reminiscent of Singapore, the Singapore sling almost. Yeah, thing, I, I thought exactly Which the same. Which of the chicanes in great. particular is it you're looking at? Sorry. Which so 11, 12, the, it's where the Moomin's bum would be. 11, 12, 13. I mean, that's like a, it's like a highway intersection almost. Because, oh, right. Because of the way that the, the strip works. So it'll be... You, if I remember the road right, then you essentially come in onto what is like effectively a highway at like Excalibur. I think Excalibur is it's like the bottom end of the strip that basically, mm-hmm. and you'd be turning like right onto the main strip and then heading up past like um, the main MGM Caesar's Palace on the bend, and then going all the way up to the top, which is kind of where um, it's a ridiculously tall one called. Has uh, somebody been to inter- Vegas? Yes, I have. Somebody been to Vegas? <laughs> but, uh, I'm just like sort of. I, I don't know what the I don't know what the big loop is. The the turn six that Chris was saying is like Sochi. That I think it's like a park park or something around there. They built a big. There's a giant globe there now. It used to be empty land, and now there's a big old giant like planet Earth they've built there, and it kind of loops. I've just realised I'm the only person out of this group not to have ever been to Vegas. This is the interesting. Well, now thing. you this have a is, good reason to go. <laughs> yeah, this is like one of the first times an F1 track has been somewhere I've actually been before. So like I have reference points for it, which makes it all the more interesting. That's so yeah, interesting. Well, that's yeah. it. Like I, I can look at that and I can sort of, in my head, imagine roughly where things are based off that. I mean, my my street maps might be a little bit off, but I think <laughs> I'm about right. That, that, that bottom... That bottom bit where the bottom of the moomin is, the 12, 11, 12, 13, is around the, the corner where Excalibur is. Somewhere around there. The bottom of the moomin. <laughs> the bottom of the Every moomin. time we talk moomin about this buns. circuit, it is just going to be all moomin chat. 100%. Um, yeah, I think, it, look, I think it's going to make a good race. I think given what we've seen so far this season with these cars, I don't see how that's going to give us bad racing. But... Um, I don't at the moment. I'm struggling to see how any circuit's going to give us bad racing because I haven't seen <laughs> well, yeah. them go around like Monaco yet or Barcelona. So, yeah, let's um, let's wait and see. Shall um, we move yeah. on to the next thing? Well, a couple of other little uh, nuggets of trivia. Uh, it's going to be the first Grand Prix not held on a Sunday since the South African Grand Prix 1985. Um, but in the whole history um, of F1, it's going to be the 74th Grand Prix to not be held on a Sunday. And there's actually been a Grand Prix held on every day of the week if you go all the way back through F1 history. Just all saying, for you. to me, it'll be a Sunday because the time that I would get up via time zone <laughs> differences is a Sunday to me. It's, it's <laughs> sort of not indifferent to like getting up early yeah. for um, like Australia, actually, is it really? Yeah. Yeah, Australia and Japan. It's kind of like it's always six o'clock somewhere. So, in fact, yeah, what exactly. Time, <laughs> what time does the race start this weekend? That's like six or seven a.m. Isn't it? Six so a.m. Basically... Six a.m. till eight a.m. for us in the UK. Yeah, yeah. It's about uh, three in the afternoon local time. 
I mean, you're challenging, okay. you're challenging my time difference. Let's, I, um, there, I, think, but... I think it's definitely time to, we're, we're just, we're turning into a time zone podcast. Yeah, that's, point, that's, so time, no one definitely that. time to We've got on track though, because we've moved to Albert Park. We've moved yes, to Melbourne. Yes, that's it's, true, it's that's a, true. It's a legit no, cause for conversation. It's fine. Yeah. Speaking so, of. about, about <laughs> Albert Park, yeah. Chris has some more interesting news it's, to tell um, <laughs> The newly designed Albert Park has sprouted a fourth DRS zone, if you can believe such a thing. Um, so there was the existing <laughs> yeah. ones down the pit straight and then between turn two and three. There also mm-hmm. always used to be one on the sort of last, well, I say straight, it's not straight, but between what is now turn 10 and 11. And there's now a big curve, the big left-hander, isn't it? A big no, right so that's under. the new one. It's the, the, the big left-hander oh, is the new really? one. Yeah. yeah. The, oh, one, the one that was the king, after you did the like the sort of high-speed chicane, the left-right, there was always a... DRS zone down that straight that is not quite straight. They're really short, aren't they? The DRS zones in Australia. I remember yeah. them being super, super short. Mm. It was only ever really the one into turn three and maybe turn one that made a difference, wasn't it? Like most of the time, yeah. it was most of the time at Melbourne in the past, it's been set up a move into turn one and then complete the move into turn three. So I'm not mm. sure how much... Then again, it's like, look at this new layout. It's going to be basically flat out from turn six to turn nine, isn't it? Yeah, that's why I'm not 100% sure how I feel about that new DRS zone that they've put around that like, sort of left-handed curve. It's along the lake, I think, that, isn't it? Yeah, and it is, yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure how I feel about that one in particular because, no. for me, they're going to be closing up on each other anyway... And nine and ten is a pretty fast chicane left right. Like it's even sure, faster this year. Yeah. So yeah. like surely the surely for in my mind the detection point wants to be on the lead round to that corner somewhere, and then you're getting your DRS or or even on the exit of ten, and then you're getting your DRS like pretty much immediately for that run down to turn eleven for the for the heavy braking zone that is turn eleven or as it is now turn eleven. I don't know. Yeah, like, I, I just feel like that mid that it's technically the third DRS zone. Yeah. I guess you call it. Yeah, I mean, that's I the one that feels it. like unnecessary. It's, I mean, see how it plays out. But after what we've seen in the first two races, I think that's a bit overkill. But we'll see. The other thing is, like, we're at the beginning or now the very beginning still of a new set of regulations, which seem to be allowing cars to follow far closer and race much better mm. and drs from the two yeah. races we've had already is already looking a bit too powerful so it seems a yeah. bit premature to just like let's slap another zone in like if anything i think they need to be making drs shown a bit shorter not adding more like that's literally 50 percent well, of the track is drs yeah. <laughs> i don't much. think like i think adding i don't think adding more necessarily hurts I think they just need to be more and making them, yeah. Adding adding more and make them making them too long does hurt. But I think I I, you know I have nothing against like having four DRS zones that are all reasonable length that that don't make it really really easy to overtake. Yeah, I think if 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 there's four zones where it's just absolutely simple, just push to pass, then obviously that's a huge problem. But I mean, yeah. if there's four of them, at least you can defend and have a go, have a go back mm. at the, the, the car. I think we're going to see a lot more of that this re- this uh, this race as a result of this extra DRS zone. Because the interesting thing is there's four zones with only two detection points. So you got a detection yeah. point before turn 13 that covers the pit straight and the run to turn three, then another 
detection just after turn six that covers the other two. So I think that, Chris, you've raised the point that is why I'm most concerned about that third DRS zone. Um, and, and it sort of it ties in what you've both said there, I guess, bringing it back into a single point, which is getting the detection out of six. For me, the 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 zone round the left hander, the the sweeping left hander, is potentially going to mean that someone's passing round that corner before nine and ten, and then effectively has the over advantage of then being able to open the DRS to help them pull away in the oh, exit of ten down to eleven. Mm, That's my biggest concern yeah, with that zone. I, you know what? I've just realised there's only two detection zones and four yeah. DRS zones. Yeah, that's, that's my biggest problem with it. I think that's what you either need to do is have it as it is with a second detection zone on the exit of turn 10 so that if someone is overtaking into 9 and 10, they've then got an opportunity to yeah. have her go back into 11 or get rid of that third zone completely. I think it needs to be one of those two things. I'm, I'm happy to see how it plays out, but I get the feeling that that particular zone will cause more, like dulling down of the race than it will excitement it doesn't encourage fighting Sadly. back does it no but and you know it's going to be people like basically letting somebody have the detection out of turn six well almost. yeah like they're gonna they're gonna be like they're gonna you're gonna end up seeing like tactical position we yielding to to I don't know. It, yeah, that's also it's going to get tricky. Def- I think. It, well, they're both in breaking zones. The detection points again, aren't they? So mm. you could yeah intersect. Oh no, it's an acceleration Detec- zone. Detection, Sorry, out detection ones are acceleration zone. Like they've yeah. they've they've eased the, the, the harshness of turn. What is now turn six? That right hander, and it's always been like on the throttle through that left hander that is but now seven. Two- DRX detection zone two is in a braking zone. Though, yeah, well, like near this. Definitely not. It's, it's like just before the braking zone. Looking at that um, yeah. image that I have in front of me, so that could definitely be problematic. There's yeah, some, there could be weirdness going on there. We could see more shenanigans. This and then weekend, you know, zone one could be the opposite problem because that's the acceleration zone, a very thin section of track. So if someone is like yeah dawdling on the throttle to try and you know. Not here yeah. to do that on a thin bit of track that could have its own problems. I don't know. But then, are you going to are you ever going to yield position to in an acceleration? I guess zone it to, just depends how powerful it ends up being, doesn't it? Gains, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I guess that's yeah. all going to be part of what they're figuring out in wow. practice. I suppose. I, yeah. You know what? I, I never imagined there'd be so much to talk about on I, this DRS topic. Uh, like, I can genuinely see someone like trying something, like trying to be clever and essentially yielding position to that detection zone in six and one uh, six and seven sorry detection zone one um to then have a run of drs to re-overtake them into nine and then pull away between 10 and 11 i can genuinely see like the, the i mean the typical one for it right now is obviously leclerc versus versus verstappen isn't it <laughs> them both being cagey about when they let the other one buy and and being clever with the drs zones i can genuinely see that exact scenario playing out i'd be very surprised if well. it didn't you heard it here first you heard it here first right Um, right next bit of news Um, Alonso third race he's on his third internal combustion engine not great Um, the his Bahrain one they might be able to use again the Saudi Arabia engine that failed is definitely not going to be used again um, I thought it was interesting how they explained why the Saudi Arabia one is now out of action they said the water, it was the water pump that failed on his engine. 
which is why he had lots of warnings on his dash about cooling. And they said that the water pump is basically integrated into the middle of the engine. And when it failed, it kind of degraded and just fell into the workings of the engine. And in order to get it out to repair the engine, they'd have to break a bunch of seals, which would mean, like FIA seals, which would mean they couldn't use the engine again anyway. Dismantle the engine completely, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, they they basically buried the water pump so deep in the engine that when it failed, it just like fell in, (laughs) essentially. Um, that feels man. like a very Renault thing to be doing. It really does, doesn't it? It feels very on brand. Yeah. It feels like a very mini. It feels like a very mini thing to be doing. Mini do that. They, the, the the oil. If I remember rightly, the oil pump and the water pump are one unit, and it's like right. It's at the back of the engine, underneath everything, and you've got to take the whole front of the car off to get to it. It's a right pain in the bum. But that's not Formula One. That's just a, a mini. So you don't. Ex- I mean, you don't expect that with a road car, but with a, mm. with an F one. I mean. A road pumps generally considered like pretty water pumps generally considered to be pretty reliable yeah it's a weird part cars. of fail. like for them to bury that that deep in the car they must have been pretty sure of its reliability so yeah obviously something has incorrectly it turns out in the way they run that car yeah or maybe it was just a dodgy <laughs> dodgy one i mean it happens you yeah. get dodgy water pumps sometimes i think there's one worth i guess quickly dipping into the inbox early for on this one as well because sarah sent something insane we all knew that reliability would be an issue but with that in mind how surprised are you that alonso is now on his third internal combustion engine going into race three very surprised Mm, i i I didn't imagine i think at this point that we are with the engines and how or the power units and how long they've had this technology now you know 2014 so eight year old technology getting towards well obviously it's not eight year old technology because they get developed but you'd think things like water pumps would have sort of some pretty solid reliability built into them now so yeah i'm pretty Mm. shocked at that really shocked actually i guess the flip side of that though is that it's probably not a huge concern for alpine because that's not a catastrophic problem with their power unit like it's a water pump like some yeah. obviously it sucks that it's broken but it's not like their turbos are blowing all those but, like massive electrical issues so it feels like something that they can easily identify and have not happen again so it's not the most it, it worrying depends problem. on your sort of it depends on your perspective of ca- catastrophic though because it's pretty catastrophic that they can't repair the engine yeah, I mean, well, yeah. all the seals. Yeah, true. Yeah, that's. I mean, that is by definition a catastrophic failure. Like they, they've they've written off an engine because the water pump's gone. Yeah, and if but they open I, it, they, it's, they're going to get a penalty. Yeah, it it just. I guess I mean, it doesn't feel like the kind of problem that's going to plague them for the rest of the season. It's not like a a fundamental yeah. problem with their power unit they need to fix. Well, that they know of yet. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. because they can't the open it up place. to check. Yeah. So like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think it's. I think when me and you, Stu, were talking about like cars being fragile going into the season, we were definitely more thinking aerodynamically. We were thinking aero parts breaking, cars mm-hmm. struggling in that area, not yeah, engines. Man. Yeah, yeah, and suspension stuff like not engines and power units and everything linked to, to that Definitely. part of the car yeah. Um, yeah. I mean we expected teams to maybe have a little bit of fine tuning and, and finding performance with the new fuels but I wouldn't I wouldn't have expected a manufacturer team that's been running the sport well before these regulations to be having like 
fu- I guess fundamental problems that mean that they're on their third power unit for a car uh, within three races. That's yeah, the, worrying for the, me as a, a manufacturer team. It's really strange failure. It um, is the, the the failure points that that I'm uh, that I was most sort of um, I don't want to say looking forward to because that's completely not my vibe, um, <laughs> but expect the, the ones I was expecting the most was going to be around suspension because these wheels are massive. Yeah, they weigh a ton compared to and, yeah, and as, and as such the brakes weigh more, so you've got a lot more unsprung weight attached to the suspension so i was expecting all sort of like you know track rods things like that to break which actually um was it red bull yeah it was red bull when yeah, on the pit stop Stappen. in um in bahrain yeah when there's the car for the first time in in like yeah. in anger i guess in, in like those high intensity situations yeah, yeah yeah and track rod failed just said that, no. that's that is down to the weight of track rod said no and that's because the weight of the the weight of the wheels and the weight of the brakes and everything being bigger in that area of the car has just not been properly sort of taken into account and it's led to a failure um so that's the stuff that you're looking forward to that you that you're expecting not yeah water pumps on <laughs> That water pump's probably tried and tested and has been through like all kinds of like stress tests and everything. <laughs> yeah. So I I just if, it's got to be finger trouble. Like the way that's the way if that's failed, it's got to be finger trouble. Trouble. If I told you before the season though, race two, some and someone's going to retire with a water pump failure in the middle of the engine, which team would you have picked, <laughs> or which engine would you have picked? Because the answer for me is probably Renault. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) With the greatest respect, it's a very Renault problem, isn't it? It's a very Alonso retirement (laughs) as well. That's so true. Yeah. Yeah. So, sucks to be Alonso (laughs) at the moment. Or does Um, it? He's a Formula One driver. Well, it can't be all that bad. Driving for a works team, so it can't be that bad. Uh, Right, moving on. Um, Oh, do you know what? I'm going to hang on. Oh, what's he doing? Oh my, what is I, that? I have literally the Vettel, the Vettel put on my Sebastian Vettel hat for the news that Sebastian Vettel's back for Australia and that's the entirety of the news, but it's great. Why are you like this? <laughs> because he knows, that, he knows that the Patreons can see him now. He's taking advantage of that and adding to the spectacle. Yeah. Patreon.com like, there's literally a Vettel hat next to me. Yes. Uh, wow. Yeah, he's back. That's Just, it. That's the news. Wow. Um, Good we should back. remember that this is a audio medium, not a visual one, primarily. That's Just why so I explained. I just I put on my metal hat. <laughs> if you'd like the new visual access, patreoncom <laughs> Um But yeah, the season's like it feels like the season's actually starting now. All the right drivers are there. It's Australia, which feels like where the season should the start be starting. Of the season, yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. I'm excited. I'm, I am excited to see Vettel coming back. Um, yeah. He is one of my favourite drivers on the grid these days, and he's just an all-round great guy. He Do you is, have so. a hat though, like like Chris. I don't have. I don't have. You're not a super my fan, Sebastian you? Vettel hat on. No, no. Chris is best friends with him. Look at this. Day I wish I was. I'd love to be <laughs> Seb's friend. <laughs> Chris, Chris, Chris is good out. friend Sebastian Vettel. <laughs> Grow your hair out like Seb. <laughs> go, go full Seb. Yeah, it, Seb actually looks younger this year than he did. Yeah, last year. Yeah, he's he's, he's sort of age. He's like Benjamin Button. That's what leaving Ferrari does for you. Yeah, right. Next, next 
Last last bit of W Series news to round us off. Um, they've added two new races to their calendar. So they're starting and finishing the season with a doubleheader. So two races in Miami for the first round and two races in Mexico for the last round, which gives them a 10-race calendar this year, which is pretty cool. Uh, the Excellent. interesting part, though, is they've said to kind of aid logistics and reduce like reliance on air freight and to help with their carbon footprint and stuff like that they are for the japanese and spanish races they're going to be borrowing cars from the toyota racing series so toyota racing series primarily races in new zealand and they use it's a uh Tartus F3 monocoque, which is the same as the W Series car. The chassis are very similar but not identical. But the W Series cars have got a 1.8 litre Alfa Romeo engine in, and the TRS cars have got a 2 litre Toyota engine in the back. So they've got like 15 or 20 more horsepower. So you've got a Spec Series championship, but for two rounds, they're using different cars, which is kind of weird that's interesting yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's very weird but it's interesting I mean if those cars aren't being used if they're just stuck in a garage somewhere and yeah. they're just not doing anything then why not why not save the money if it's a spec series anyway more or less yeah. a spec series anyway as long as they've got all the same sort of you know options for setup that that yes. exists within that sort of machine then and I, think, I don't see there being too much of an issue I think they both have very similar if not identical like steering systems as well so it's not like mm. that's going to sort of change massively between them but um, yeah it's an interesting detail I thought yeah it, yeah, it'd fun, be very interesting to see fun how nugget. those l- like last two rounds play out as well just considering the, the order a bit the, yeah the drivers are obviously learning a slightly different car on top of what they'll be learning with the circuit. So very interesting yeah. to see how that plays very out. Cool. Can I just point out that Chris is still wearing his Sebastian Vettel <laughs> hat? I don't think he'll take it off. Well, I have to take my headphones off to take the hat off and that's going to take me out of the podcast. Yeah, and, you know, it's problematic. Yeah, it's, okay. Right, I'm done. Shall we that's, do that's the some storylines? That's yes. the news done. Yeah. It's time for storylines. Let's, let's move to um, Who's going to take us... Uh, shall I take us through the storylines this week? Yeah, go on. Go on. Okay. Um, so I haven't read these yet, so forgive me for um, good luck. Them slowly, if uh, if I need to. Yeah, thank you. Hopefully, they're not like the some of the mental long messages that you used to get me to read out. Um, <laughs> first storyline this week is how will the use of what is effectively a qualifying tire affect strategy? And Pirelli are bringing the C2, C3, and the softest C5 compounds to Australia this weekend. Um, who's good on their tires? And who's Perez, bad on their usually. tires? I mean, Perez I def- usually want to look out for if I'm yeah. good on them. I definitely don't think we'll be seeing that C5 in the race at all, which obviously reduces strategic yeah. options. Like, I wish Pirelli had done this back when we had the Q2 starting tire rule. Because we were asking for, like, having yeah. gaps in the tire things for ages. And then they changed one rule we wanted, but then changed the other one to kind of. Almost undo the. We had a weird. similar conversation to this already. I think, Chris. I I think it was on mm. an episode earlier in the season, I think or like it in was. the preseason, where we were basically saying it'd be because we were talking about the gap. That was what we were talking about. This like 
sort of a step missing essentially and and having the the softest compound be two steps lower than the medium mm. rather than one and i said well that'll make the whole qualifying tire start starting for the top 10 a lot more interesting then you kindly reminded me well we've scrapped that rule for this season <laughs> and i think yeah. maybe what maybe rather than scrapping it for this season what we should have done is kept it with the extra step in the tires to see how that played out or, I mean, I guess they could always look at bringing it back if we think it'd make an improvement. But I, I think now it's gone. Bring it back in a hurry. Exactly. I think now no. it's. I think they were too quick to get rid of that, and we should have maybe kept it with the difference in tyres first to see how it played out, and then if it still wasn't adding anything beneficial to the race and qualifying as a just as an overall competition, then scrapped it and maybe just had one season as like a a wet run, I guess, of these different tire compound combinations but it is what it is isn't it yeah yeah i mean you could argue that them getting rid of that tire rule has facilitated them to be able to do this exact thing yeah true maybe that's maybe like they were the teams were essentially saying that they wouldn't want to be doing this with that rule in place and to facilitate having these excellent qualifying sessions we have to scrap the q2 carryover rule so I mean, there's logic to both sides, isn't there? There's there's a good for and against doing it both ways. But yeah, this will be the first race we've done it. Will it not? Yes, it will. The other two were so. just consecutive tires. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think if if you had the old um, quali rules, the teams that I mean, let's remember, like the teams that really mattered last season when we still had this quali tire rule, we're all qualifying in session two on the medium tire anyway. Yeah. Usually. Yeah. They they were never on like the softest compound. The rule so... just stopped doing what it was supposed to do, didn't it? Yeah, we I guess we reached yeah. a point where the teams that were having to use those softer tires to get into uh, into Q three were essentially then just going backwards on a race start because of the tire that they were on. And or, or yeah. at least going backwards when it came around to the pit strategy because they were out of sync with everybody else around them on the medium. <laughs> so I, I guess that's the logic of scrap the rule. And that that's obviously the pro on the other side of scrap the rule. We get ultimate pace in qualifying because everyone will use that softest tyre because there's no disadvantage for doing yeah. so. Exactly. You're going to see the cars going at their absolute yeah, so ultimate that, pace. That's your definite win of the scenario that we're now in. So. Yeah. I yeah. think that I think I prefer that. I think yeah. the fact that um, it would have put like this rule. I think last season would have put teams qualifying that bit further back. Say for the sort of um, five position five to position ten, probably puts them on the back foot more than it does the guys at the top because they mm-hmm. they have to u- they effectively have to use up tires in order to get through to Q3 where they Plus otherwise if, wouldn't if you're if you're a midfield team starting 11th with a free tyre choice is probably better than starting 10th 9th 8th and having yeah, to start often, on new softs did we hear midfielders talking about that like yeah, ra- yeah. racing point were always a good one that were they were really happy to be qualifying 11th or something mm-hmm. then sticking on whatever tyre they wanted because they knew they had race pace to push forward and yeah. like, I, I mean look at Perez in his time at Racing Point and Force India as it was, they ultimately capitalised on that and got him on the podium and stuff a few times. Yeah. So it, it just goes to show that there was probably a flaw in the rule. I, like I say, I, part of me would have liked to have seen how these new tyre changes would have played into that, but I can also like hold my hands up and say there's definitely 
as much an advantage to doing it the way that we're doing it as there would be to not change it. Yeah. So I think I prefer this. I'm happier with yeah. this than it, if I had to make if you had a gun to my head, I had to make a choice. I would say give me this rather than last year. Yeah, I think I think if it was a an ultimate either or, I'd rather have the front runners like the I mean it's the Ferraris and the Red Bulls at the minute qualifying on that softest slick and giving us like a true show of things rather yeah. than in qualifying on the mediums because they want that as an optimal race tire to start the race on. Yeah, qualifying you want everyone just going as fast as they can on the fastest tires yeah. with no consequence basically yeah mm. yeah so next storyline um with with we've touched on this <laughs> with four drs zones now at the circuit we have more detection zones shenanigans yes. i think we will i think <laughs> we will as well is yes yeah yeah can't wait for that I mean, I mean already, we've covered that we've covered yeah it. I guess i've already covered the scenario i can see playing out so yeah okay so the next one um, will Mercedes have their rumoured floor or rear wing upgrades ready and how much difference will they make? Yeah, they're supposedly rushing, trying to rush forward some of the upgrades that were supposed to be for Imola. Um, Chris well, who does can not sound them? at all convinced by the statement. Like, Yeah, they <laughs> apparently have some floor upgrades that are going to be I just, Imola. I'm always very Rumor suspicious of it. rushed upgrades. Rumor has them. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, if it's design, if it's been designed and they're capable of manufacturing it yeah. faster, then there's no reason why. If, if it's been designed and approved, and they're happy with what they've made, there's no reason why it wouldn't be a good thing to get it manufactured sooner mm-hmm. and on the car. Yeah, it's just a case of reshuffling and maybe spending a bit more money to get the thing to the circuit. You know they've got to pay a lot more to get that component yeah, to Australia yeah. than they would to get it to Imola. But and is that co- when we live in an era where there's a cost cap, is that going to make a difference later in the year when they need to put more development in? It's obviously money yeah. that they would rather not be spending. Yeah, you've got to be a lot more confident in your parts before you start making decisions like that, haven't you? Gone are the days where you just yeah. keep manufacturing stuff, throw and the just, spaghetti yeah, at the wall, exactly. and see what sticks. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I think that it might like help, but I don't think it will be a huge difference because there's more than likely a heck of a lot more to it than just the floor or just the rear wing. Yeah, um, we've said yeah, before, it's, it's, it's not much, one problem, is like, it? it I'm it's not, as much yeah. suspension and and tire setup, but well, not tires. It's, it's as much suspension setup and and car weight and all kinds of there's so many factors at play with it that yeah a new floor is not good there's no sil- there's no silver bullet new floor is not going to solve it. it might help it though and a new rear wing might help it as well or it at least help them understand it better yeah this mm-hmm. is the thing if it, if it makes a forward progress step that's it's a, it's a successful stage of development is it and they can they can sort of officially move on to whatever's next i mean they will have already moved on to whatever's next if they if they're putting this into production to put it on the car to be brutally honest but yeah i just if you like silver and teal do not or well silver and mint do not expect miracles from these upgrades is all i would say yeah don't, definitely don't expect miracles but small gains it's a slow process small gains yeah, yeah um, I, I just understanding expect, just understanding the car yeah, is what they need to do expect them to be able else. to like comfortably maintain their sort of third constructors position yeah essentially like so. 
maintain that gap between we're not in the midfield but we're not quite up to the speed that Red Bull and Ferrari started at and I'd expect them to sort of maintain that balance with these upgrades and, and maybe close the gap a little bit so they're not 20 seconds off the lead they're 15 seconds off the lead or or if it goes really well, 10 seconds off the lead. They're not just suddenly going to be fighting for podiums outright. I mean, I'm mean, happy to be proven wrong. <laughs> I'm yeah. happy to be proven wrong. <laughs> Very happy. Because I'd love to see three teams fighting for that podium, but I just don't think it's going to happen that quickly. No. Hmm. Um, okay, next one. Um, I'm going to make this one up because it's not. there's nothing written down and I did absolutely zero prep for this episode. So... <laughs> Um, McLaren, uh, McLaren, mm. uh, McLaren going to get on. Uh, you know, are McLaren bring anything new for Australia? Can they perform? This is a more traditional-ish circuit than I guess the last one we were at. Like mm. it's you know it's, it's a more traditional semi street circuit, semi permanent circuit. So yeah. it's going to be bumpy. There's it's going to be a lot different. I think from what we had in Jeddah, um, where they seemed during the race to be a little bit more something like mclaren so yeah. will that continue will they be able to bring enough to the car to to make it better will they have more understanding of the setup of their car in order to improve results what's going to happen with mclaren i'm interested to see how it plays out just on the basis that i think the number of the combination of non-starters and retirements ahead of them uh, like flattered the result a little bit like the, the sorry the result flattered where they were in the pace like Lando would have probably gotten in the points but he'd have been really fighting to get in the points I think and to be fair he did have a, a decent fight with Ocon in wheel to wheel combat for the last couple of laps so there's, there's definitely something to be said for them finding what's going on with the car and making progress but I think like realistic targets for them at the minute is still just getting into the points like ninth and 10th um wow yeah. and it'd be interesting to see if like a, a strong number of finishes if that's where they actually are or not and again very happy to be proven wrong and seeing them solidly into the points but i think with a you know a, a more standard 17 18 finishes they're finishing like ninth 10th 11th they're, they're they're on the cusp of points and fighting with people to get in basically mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've got more hope for them on um, Sunday uh, than on, Saturday for sure. Um, the the one lap yeah. pace in the McLaren, I don't hold a lot of hope for, but they definitely seem to have more race pace. So if you're a McLaren yeah, fan, don't be too upset if Saturday goes it. terribly. Yeah. Uh, so again, if you wear papaya this week, also don't expect miracles. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, and my final storyline because we usually like to have five. Um, my final storyline this week is going to be just how is the order going to be changed at this 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 is a different circuit from the last two we've been at and I wonder what sort of what unexpected results we might be able to expect from from this different track especially given that we've not been here for a few years so people are going to be unfamiliar I'll I'll make a bold prediction on that and I'm Hit gonna me. I'm gonna say both alphas solidly in Q3 because I they, don't hate I, that and no. admittedly they've got a Ferrari engine and we know the Ferrari engine seems to have started the season well with the new fuel but 
I think Bottas has probably been like having to wring the neck of it a little bit to get the performance out of it. And I think that with the work they're putting in and the circuit and then Guan Yu sort of getting more and more comfortable, it seems, as things go on and just being a bit unlucky in Jeddah, that I genuinely think that both of them could make Q3. That'd be my thing. How deep into Q3 though? Would you say? Do you think would be? Do you think we'll potentially beating Mercedes? I'd, or at least I'd, a Mercedes. I don't know. It, it depends on obviously where Mercedes' upgrades are, but I, I think you could see them both like comfortably in and not being ninth and tenth, basically. Like they're they're kind of on merit and out qualifying other cars in the Q3 session. Would you say they're beating the Haases then? I think it's going to be a mix-up between them and Magnussen for me. Like, I've got a feeling that they're going to be in that sort of 6th, 7th, 8th kind of fight. And you've then got uh, the Mercedes probably just about outdoing them, maybe getting, maybe like George or Lewis kind of getting sucked into that a little bit. So I, I sort of see a top four of what we've kind of come to expect at the moment, yeah. Ferrari and Red Bull maintaining that, and then the Mercedes kind of getting sucked in by Alphas and Haas. Mm, yeah, Sounds like an exciting qualifying session. <laughs> I, look, I look forward to it. If it plays out the way I predict. <laughs> then I think, honestly, I, I think this one could go any way. I think we're going to see unexpected um, team results. I think this circuit is going to show problems in certain cars that we didn't know existed because um, it always does. And mm-hmm. I think it's going to, this circuit is a, it can be a bit of a car killer as well. I think this early in the season, um, there's always sort of, there's usually quite a lot of bodywork damage across the field from this race. Yeah. If I, from, from, if memory serves. So I fully expect to see um, some quite large bills for the teams at the end of the at the end of the race, for me, Haas need to shake the wheel curse as well. Mm. Like, oh, you mean the the sort of not putting wheels on properly? Not putting thing. wheels on right. Like they've been on course for good results here on a couple of occasions, yeah. and it's been scuppered by pit stop failures and and issues at pit stops and and so on. So hopefully that curse does not continue you, just for k-mag and schumacher's sake you're a bad man tom you're a bad man it's already happened to k-mag once <laughs> to yeah K-Mag yeah in the beginning i hope it doesn't happen to him again i do um, i do yeah i mean i oh, know no no come now that's not nice is it no no i say i <laughs> no, agree with don't. you i do oh you agree I, with, oh right okay. as in <laughs> that sounded <laughs> you you, mis- you misread the tone of my i do very much yeah very much i did um, anyway, that's, I mean, that's more than five storylines. That's literally yeah. every storyline going, going there. And then so some. take your pick. Um, yeah. yeah, so shall we, it's probably time with all that in mind um, to make some predictions. Yes, let's. Um, so for those of you newer to the show, if you head to backofthegrid.com, you can get involved with this where if you've not registered before, you can register. Um, and basically, as by the time you hear this and the episode's live, you'll be able to sign in and submit your predictions to go against us and everybody else who listens and joins in. And it's always worth doing because there's a prize if you achieve five out of five over the course of a race weekend. Um, so let's and start people where, do. And people, people do. do. People do. Um, let's start where we always start, and that will be fastest in Q3. And I'm going to ask Chris for his first on this one. This is 
bit difficult, isn't it, this week? Um, it's, it's awkward, I think, because we've not been here for a while as well. And it's a different with track. COVID. Yeah, the track's changed. The driver lineups have changed considerably since the last time we were here. And the, the team running orders changed. Like, it's it's as green as it could be. So yeah, enjoy. It's not going to be... You're not getting any greener. I'm going to say... I'm going to say Leclerc, even though I'm not entirely convinced his car will finish qualifying in the pit lane. You're not, you don't think it'll finish qualifying in the pit lane? As in, you think he's going to Monaco this? I have a feeling Leclerc is going to have some... Leclerc has a history of Q3 mistakes and I've been sort of going back and forth in my head of will he set a fast enough lap time before the Q3 mistake and I'm going to say yes he will oh that's interesting so you think he's going to his first run in Q1 is going to be the, the pole lap and his second one is going to bin it but his I first guess, one will be fast enough to get in the pole anyway I guess in a very roundabout way yes that is what I'm saying that is that is so convoluted Chris <laughs> <laughs> it's a track that punishes mistakes um, I can see you making one yeah that is true but yeah. When, yeah you only need to push that little bit too hard mm-hmm. at the circuit and it will bite you hard won't it mm-hmm. um, I'm going to say science for this one please oh interesting I'd prefer and you to be right I'm going yeah I'd prefer it's you to be right but I'm going to go another direction completely and go with a Red Bull driver in Max Verstappen ooh Nice, we're all different. That's good. Yeah. That's good news. And you so, guys have both got points, and I don't at the moment. So this, yeah, this is very good for me. Yeah. Um, would you like to have first dibs on a winner then, Stu? Ooh, winner. Um, who is going to be the winner of the Australian Grand Prix? I think. You know what? This season so far has been really, really, really difficult to read. I think with the. This race is particularly difficult because you've got this whole tyre wear factor that that mm. we're still sort of learning what car's best on its tyres, what car isn't so good on its tyres, which cars are faster over a single lap, which cars are faster over a race. So it's really tricky. And, and then, of course, you've got the added factor of cars being able to actually race each other and multiple DRS zones, possible shenanigans. It's very, very, very difficult to predict. I am going to say science. I'm going to go for the double. I think if he can get it on pole and if he can get away early doors and not have too much dirty air, although dirty air is less of a factor, it still is a factor and it'll weigh your tyres worse. And I think on Mm. on a tyre wear track like we're having this weekend with the particular tyres they've brought to the circuit, then, yeah, being ahead is going to be key, I think. So, science. You've essentially made my argument for me because <laughs> I was also going to say science. So oh, I need no. to go into no more detail other than I'm but, saying the same you know, thing. But how long can Verstappen stay ahead of a Ferrari, though, is the thing, with all these DRS zones? Yeah. I, I, I mean, just... I'm just saying, like, my gut reaction to this is the playing nice, messing around with each other into DRS zones is only going to last so long. Hence me saying science. Just an I, insight into my thought process there. I am also... I'm also... Hey, I like it. 
Um, I'm also saying science, <laughs> and my thought process was exactly the same oh, as yours, Tom. I, yeah. I, the, the, the niceness can only last so long. Yeah. So you reckon they're both going to... So you, you think Leclerc is going to qualify second after Verstappen, Tom, and they're going to collide, is what you Probably. I'm not, not, say, not saying it's going to happen like into turn one. It, it's all... It's not going to happen immediately. <laughs> no, not not Murray in Japan ask, but I, I think at some point. I mean, like, look at just going back to last season, the situation in Jeddah with Max trying to give the position to Lewis, like strategically, like something. You have to go back to last year. You got it last week. Well, yeah, <laughs> like stuff like that is looking like it could be on the cards if these two keep playing around with the way that they're using mm-hmm. DRS. So I feel like it's only a matter of time before they they come together and I'm not giving okay. them much longer, <laughs> basically. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of first DNF, though, I've already kind of alluded to it a little bit. I'm not going turn one incident for them. Um, I think it's going to end up being somebody a little bit stuck in the midfield, getting a bit tight into some of these new corners and people not finding their breaking points quite right and just getting a bit messy. So I'm just going to pick a driver I think will be somewhere in the middle of the pack and that's Ocon. Ocon. That's sensible. Mm. I can see your logic there. What about you, Stu? I'm tempted to say say, um, Latifi, but Latifi tends to fail further into the race. He tends to pootle around not mm. too near to anyone else and then just have an accident all by himself. So, or he has <laughs> done a few a number of times, namely the last race. Um, you're probably close to the money, I think, with the midfield pack and the and Shining. I think turn one's going to be hectic. Mm-hmm. Um, potential retirements there for sure. Always are. Um, I'm going to go... With, um, I don't want to say Schumacher because it's harsh. Don't want to say that—that's your heart show. speaking there because you don't want Schumacher to be the first. I DNF. really don't want Schumacher. You want Schumacher to get a result. You want Schumacher to get a result. He really needs a result. He needs a result because it's it's, yeah. it's not been good enough so far. Um, as, as harsh as that sounds with his with his bad accident, it, it, it's just not been good enough. So, no, I can't say Schumacher because it just hurts too much. <laughs> it's going to be Albon. Interesting. I think I said Albon last week. Mm. Maybe. I I was pondering Williams, but I think it might be a bit further up than them where the bottleneck happens. Um, and Chris, you? Schumacher. <gasps> there it is. There it is. <laughs> Absolutely savage. Wow. How many finishes are you going for, Chris? Because because of that, whatever the word is. It's often yeah, a messy race there, isn't it? Making you go first. Mm, 15. Ooh, interesting. What about you, Stu? 16. I get usurped by my cat. Uh, I'm gonna go. What does Ezio think? Ezio, how many? Wow. Seventeen. This is seventeen. 
So that's what I'm going with. I'm going with the cat's opinion. And can we have a random driver for this week, please, Chris? You can. It is Valtteri Bottas. Valtteri Bottas. Ooh. Okay, I'm doing it. I'm locking in. I've not gone first for a while. I'm saying sixth. I'm going. I'm going with my earlier optimism about the alpha and particularly Mr. Bottas. Sixth. Uh, Chris. Just waiting for Milo to finish his massive drink. <laughs> <laughs> Guzzling. I was hoping you'd go to Stu first while he finished, but... Uh... <laughs> it's fine. Just go. People can enjoy a Milo drink. Fair enough. It sounds um, like you're getting some plumbing done, Chris. <laughs> I'm trying... <laughs> <laughs> or a need some. It sounds like someone's in the bath. <laughs> <laughs> Chris does his podcast from the bathroom <laughs> I'm trying to decide if Bottas is going to finish the race or not that's where I'm stuck here because I've gone 15 finishers ooh wow <sighs> wow I know this is taking too long come on eighth and then you you? Uh, I'm going to go seventh. Nice and in between. Yeah. You made my mind up for me by going eighth, Chris, and, and Tom going sixth there. So I hedged my bets between. We've just guaranteed <laughs> him being first DNF, haven't we? We definitely. <laughs> <have>. <laughs> the optimism. Yeah. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, if you want to join in, head to backofthegrid.com and you can register if you haven't already and submit your predictions and prove us wrong about how wrong we are with ours, basically. Because we've got like four points between us all season so far. It's not good. So don't listen to us. <laughs> um, should we do some inbox, gentlemen? Is keep it safe now. But stay, but stay out. The first one is from Project F1, um, and it says, "Do you think the new circuit layout will help the 2002 cars perform better compared to the old layout?" And what do you think about four DRS zones? Did I say two thousand and two? <laughs> Should we try that yeah. again? Let's I mean, those again. cars might be better around there too, but I'm more interested in the twenty twenty two cars. <laughs> um, okay, let's go again with that one. Project F one says, "Do you think the new circuit layout will help with the twenty twenty two? No, now this has happened. I'm literally <laughs> disaster zone." Do you think the new circuit layout will help the 2022 cars perform better compared to the old layout? And what do you think about four DRS zones and the step change in compounds for this race? Excited to have my home race back on the calendar and on the podcast. That's Project F1. Thanks, Project F1. Um, I think the cars are already sort of proving that they're making racing easier. Like, it's it's more possible to race and I think we've probably changed enough of the circuit at Albert Park to improve like certain areas the only bit I'm a little bit disappointed about about is I forgot what numbers it is now from when we were talking about earlier turns well what what, what were turns and are now not even considered turns anymore on the circuit basically nine and ten yeah, what what used to be nine and ten, and now nine and ten are like at the far end because you used to have a right left that was still fairly quick, but 
yeah uh, these are was, rapid now these are yeah, really fast especially do, in these I, cars i mean i don't know if you've seen like the there's a couple of like onboard videos of service vehicles doing a lap as they've set the circuit up and stuff and they basically don't exist anymore it, it's just straight through so it's full a little bit, yeah a little bit sad to have seen that go but it wasn't really ever an overtaking point anyway so i don't think we missed too much and it ultimately sets up hopefully something into 9 and 10 the, the new 9 and 10 <laughs> so I yeah. like it I like the I like the new circuit layout I think um, I don't know if we're on the same page probably Chris but uh, to Tom but um, I think going through turn 8 getting close in 9 and 10 because I don't I think you're going to struggle because there's no braking zone I think that's going to be a yeah. bit of an action zone this race I mean it could could lead to an absolute airplane crash but it could also lead to some hectic racing and some really good action and we have seen the cars following each other quite well so far this season so um i've got faith i think nine and ten are going to be good mm-hmm. fun and um yeah we'll probably see quite a few moves into 11 i'm not really i don't think the new cars necessarily needed the track changes to be able to have good racing but it's they're not going to hurt put it that way yeah <clears throat> i think that's it like i think the old cars, sorry, the new cars on the old circuit would have still given us an entertaining race. Hopefully, that just amplifies that. Changes. Yeah. Um, next one. Next from Garrett. Does F1 need the chicane out of the tunnel at Monaco? We're having a quick trip to Monaco. Uh, the ensuing straight could provide a passing opportunity and basically be flat out from turn 8 to 12. And Michelle also weirdly asked a question about Monaco this week. Uh, is there an actual chance Monaco leaves the calendar in the next few years? First of all, you know it's the Australian Grand Prix. <laughs> <laughs> Just checking. Are we sure? Have we got this I mean, really with wrong? that chicane... <laughs> oh, are you sure he's not also strong? Now, with the chicane, I, they haven't really got much choice because there's a wall in the way, and it's the only way yeah. to slow the cars down safely enough to get around the wall and onto the correct side of it. If you ever watch anything like old Formula E races, they don't, they didn't used to go down to the tunnel and through the tunnel. They used to come down from Casino, down the other side of said wall, and kind of do a hairpin where the chicane is for Formula One and come back on themselves. Mm-hmm. So they come down the hill and round. That was like the first two times F Formula E went there because of the batteries and stuff. So you've kind of got no choice because they've got to get around that wall safely because it doesn't. It's, it's not removable. It's just a feature that they have to <laughs> yeah. navigate. So, yeah. yeah. And then will there be a Monaco on the calendar next week? Yeah, Monaco's not going anywhere. You That would... I just can't envision a Formula One without Monaco. That that's crazy talk. So, they will yeah, always find a way to keep it around. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I I think that will be the case. Uh moving on, Nicole says, As an American, I'm completely perplexed ugh, try that again. Perplexed by the decision to hold a night race in Vegas in late November. The average low in November is 8 degrees Celsius, and the average low in December can be as low as 
four degrees Celsius. So during the race, I'd imagine that the temperature will be close to six degrees Celsius. Uh, it seems like a terrible atmosphere for the fans who are at the race and would cause potentially cause issues for the cars, especially their tyres. I'm also unsure why people would want to go to Miami Gardens, which is very far from Miami Beach in May, because it's just going to be very hot and sweaty. Does F1 ever look at the weather conditions when they're considering new races? From my perspective, these feel like decisions... Uh, sorry, destinations for Europeans rather than races for Americans. Mm. Well, mm. well, I mean, it's always, I'm always interested all, to hear that kind of opinion from someone there for a start. Yeah. I mean, thank you as an American for changing those temperatures into a format that we will understand. Because <laughs> if you sent them those in Fahrenheit, <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't have a clue what it <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. There is that. <laughs> I mean, F1 has a history of having races in places at bad times of the year. You may go look at like the monsoons they've had in places like China and Malaysia in the past. So I definitely don't think it's their first consideration yeah. when planning these things. I think it's much more about... Um, well, sometimes I'm not sure what it's about, but... <laughs> I think like logistics are usually a, a big factor in these things, um, but yeah. I, I don't have the calendar to hand, so I don't know if I can justify that comment. I mean, the, um, the logistics of Miami is pretty much purely based around the NFL season. Yeah, like yeah, once, that's the, the, once, the hit, usually once they hit October time. Events, isn't it? Once they hit October time, I don't think that's really feasible. I don't know if there's. An, I know that, I'm pretty sure there's there is an. MLS team based out in Miami whether they use the same stadium or somewhere else I don't know my knowledge mm -hmm. of the MLS isn't that great so I feel free to correct me people but yeah. I'd imagine that the things like that are definitely going to be factors um, local events local local mm, restrictions all that kind yeah. of thing you know sometimes it's just a case of get it in there when you can and work within the constraints you've got so yeah the weather you know doesn't necessarily i mean people if people want to go to it they'll go there's people can deal with weather they can always deal with weather one way or another you just you know find ways around it wear sun cream bring an umbrella <laughs> keep yourself cool that kind of thing so paul did say in the chat that those temperatures would be a pretty warm race for the uk which is a fair point so <laughs> it sounds cold for vegas but we're pretty used to it yeah, I was going to say something similar. We've we've literally sat in freezing rain at Silverstone and even overseas in Europe. Like so, those kind of temperatures would be quite mild for for some Europeans. So maybe it is a race for Europeans on that basis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Should we do the next one, Stuart? Yes, let's move on to the next one. This one's from Mike Chu, and he says, "Do you think guys Verstappen isn't racing as?" enthusiastically against the Ferraris as he did or would have against the Merc. Um, seems far less lungy so far. Could be due to having his first title now or just early on in the season. Or does he really hate Mercedes above all other things? Love the podcast. <laughs> Thanks for the great content. Thanks, Mike. Um, I don't think Verstappen hates Mercedes. I think Verstappen hates losing. And they yeah. <laughs> been sort of I mean he he couldn't sort of I mean he lost against the engine in Bahrain and well the, the car in Bahrain and um he didn't lose in 
Jeddah. So time will tell. I'm sure, like that, that I'm sure there's some lunges in Verstappen this season, especially if it gets close. So yeah, um, I, yeah, I think there's my answer. definitely an element to what we've already talked about before. With the there's probably a lot of weight and pressure lifted. Now there's a world yeah. title to his name, which will probably ultimately have a positive effect on his driving. Well, however, if, it's, if only, Verstappen... it's only for so long, though, isn't it, when he's trying to defend that title? Like, I think, I, I, I think I'll put this out there. I think the for him, this is how I see it mentally. For him, the scalp of beating Lewis Hamilton to the world title is a bigger thing for him than beating somebody who's not as coveted a champion hmm. so like for him the whole thing was i've got to beat lewis like i want to beat lewis it's and that was hmm. like you, do you know what like to be to be that guy that stopped lewis's run to be that guy that stopped him getting the world record title that that was the mentality yeah. in max Verstappen's head i think which led to some of the like aggressive defending and aggressive driving we saw last year and that's not a factor this year and and so I think the combination of a couple Yet. of things there are leading to him being a little bit more relaxed in the car and relaxed in his driving. But time will tell. We're only two races yeah. into a twenty-something race I, season. I think we're way too early into the season for for this chat. I think he wants another championship just as much as he wanted the first one because he, the guy must have a point. To, the way that season ended last year. If you're yeah. Max Verstappen and there's that asterisk, and there's no denying it, there's always yeah. going to be an asterisk against his name for that title, regardless of you know who you're on the side of, whether you're a Hamilton fan or a Verstappen fan. There's just no way that he's going through his career and that being his only world championship. He absolutely will desperately want another one under all that relaxation, bravado chat that he's been going on about. He wants mm. another world title. There's no doubt about it. You could see that by how upset he was when um, he retired from Bahrain. Yeah. So, yeah, mm. yeah look out for the lunges because they're coming. They're coming. I... Yeah. I'm not sure... I'm not sure he cares about the asterisk as much as everyone else does, though. I think... I definitely think <laughs> having, having one world title now has definitely change the way he approaches things a little bit like i don't doubt if this season as the season goes on and it becomes a proper title fight like you know it's it, elbows are gonna come out sort of thing but i feel like there was there was something about him at the beginning of last last year where it was like apparent very early in the season that he had a car under him to fight for the title and there's got to be something in your head that's saying like this might be it. This might be the one chance you get because there's no guarantees you're going to get a car yeah, this good yeah. again. So he was kind of on the yeah. fight for every corner from day one last year, and I definitely feel like that mentality is maybe not quite there this early on in the season. But it is early days, and that it'll 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 come as the season yeah. goes on and things get spicier. Like so, you, you've. So you're saying you think he's got a bit more confidence in the car this year than he had last year then? I just don't think he's got the... Um, I, th I think it was more that he had confidence in the car last year and there's got to be a concern that you're never going to feel that good in a car again. Like, yeah, a, okay. a, a championship winning chance. Like, what's happened to Mercedes could have easily happened to Red Bull. Mm. Yeah, exactly. So... 
I, yeah. I think that that's kind of Chris's mindset with it is had that been the other way that was the almost desperation I guess Max was feeling as if the car's not as this good next year this could be my only chance or my only chance for a long time and there's got to I think there's a lot of things that when you when you stack all these different emotions up and different reasons for the different emotions it goes a long way to explain the difference between his driving style previously and his driving style so far this season and, and there's a big bold italics on the so far <laughs> I think you could argue there's a similar thing to like Hamilton's driving in sort of 07, 08 and to Vettel's driving in 09 and 010 like that oh my god it's happening mm. I've got a car fast enough I've got to like you know take every opportunity I get this year because it might be the only year I get it yeah yeah that's fair enough okay let's do the next one Chris it's you next from Toby Godfrey thoughts on the recent Red Bull incoming weight drop rumours via Helmut Marco uh, that amount of untapped performance on top of what they already have might be a tag concerning for the considerably lighter Ferraris genuine or just talk so this is from stories that Red Bull apparently working on a big weight reduction up to 8 kilograms in time for Imola apparently Um, I mean, we'll never know because you, there's not really any way we can find out. But mm. I don't really. I think a lot of the stuff that help, comes out of Helmet Marco's mouth tends to be quite a lot of gamesmanship and a Take lot with of a sort of jag of salt. Yeah, big time. So I wouldn't be too worried yet. If if we see Mercedes, if you see Red Bull start suddenly streaking away in qualifying and absolutely rinsing everyone in races and having amazing tyre wear, then yeah, obviously then you can believe it. But until we see that, then you know, I I would absolutely tear that with a pinch of salt. Until this piece of inbox came in, I didn't know it even said this because I've kind of was like just kind of got him on real life mute. I don't really <laughs> listen to anything he says or read anything he says anymore. So this is the only way I find out if he's ever said anything. <laughs> I mean, the, thi the so thing I is with a lot of... It, in short. <laughs> a lot of these Helmet Marco said stories always tend to come through the less reputable channels of F1 news as well, so... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> F1, the, the kind of racegridtime.com. Yeah, it's like, oh, what, someone said something... <laughs> print it there's there's seven new stories we can get out of it yeah literally yeah, yeah. it's uh, f1 fans will literally click on anything <laughs> yes yeah. if it if it mentions if it mentions a team a driver or someone they know they will click <laughs> on it <laughs> and i know because i've done exactly these things yeah yeah i'm the, the same i'm the same just baited yeah, <laughs> absolutely just baited every single time should we do the last like, one yeah, let's do the last one. Uh, Billy Moyer says, what day are you guys flying into Vegas? It says drinks are me. I think it should have been, hopefully, drinks are on me. <laughs> yeah, but he's had a few <laughs> drinks before he wrote it, I can see. So. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm 100% considering the opportunity of visiting the US for a race in general. I mean, yes, I'd love to go back to Vegas, but it really depends on how much a weekend's going to cost <laughs> to see a race mm, in a place like that. This and is potentially end up going somewhere like Kota but I'm not ruling it out maybe like year two or something maybe not maybe not the inaugural 
we'll see. Yeah, it's a race I really want to go to, and like, like I'd, I'd literally know people in the city, so it'd be like awesome to like, you know, go and visit some people and see the race there. But knowing that yeah, Miami, in terms of ticket prices, Miami is second only to Monaco in terms of ticket prices, does not fill me with confidence that I will even be able to come close to affording Vegas. Mm. Yeah, Vegas is going to be a tough. I am down to clown, but I think <laughs> Vegas. <laughs> is going to be a very, very difficult race for me to afford to get to. Coast is more likely, I think. Unless I can get hold of some tickets, but I, I think I'll struggle to even get hold of tickets for that one. So, yeah, no chance. Absolutely no chance. But I'd love yeah. to, but it's... Um, I think, once you, you know, for if you live in the UK, once you factor in the flights and the prices and hotels and all that kind of thing, unless you go camping in the desert, then you're going to struggle to <laughs> afford it. So, Or unless you're very, very, very wealthy. So... <laughs> Yeah, I'll be watching that one at yeah. six in the morning or whatever time it is on on TV. I think. Yeah, I think it's one of those that I would have to meticulously plan like a trip away for. Like, I'd be trying to get across to Arizona to watch my Cardinals or something, or like, yeah, catch a Vegas Knights game or something at, at the T-Mobile. Like, I'd be wanting to do more than one thing, so it'd be a pricey event. Therefore, I would probably need two or three years to save for it. <laughs> Yeah. But more, I'm, likely, I mean, more likely to see a Phoenix Knights game than a yeah. Vegas Knights game. <laughs> Billy is, however, picking up the bar tab, so just write that off any planning for fees that you have, guys. Remember I saw, that. I saw some the other day online say that now we've got like Miami and Vegas looking like some of the most expensive ones. It's like coat is now looking more framed as like the working man's american f1 race so <laughs> that's probably the more likely one i'll get to go the blue to. the blue color yeah. option circuit of the americas <laughs> oh my goodness right i think that's a good place to end it so um it is thank you all for joining us thanks for joining us live those of you who joined us live thanks for listening um and downloading and listening to it if that's the way you've chosen to listen to today's episode um you can find us on the internet um just search for back of the grid uh, we're on facebook we're on all the socials again just search for back of the grid and don't forget to submit your predictions on back of the before before qualifying before qualifying um, on q1. saturday before q1 on saturday and yeah um, thanks again for joining us and we will see you all next week when we review the Australian Grand Prix for the first time in three years we hope fingers crossed or two years two years too long three quick we, maths it's redundant it's redundant <laughs> we'll be back doesn't matter we'll review that's it. getting cut <laughs> bye 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 <laughs>